You're listening to Launchpad, the Dogsthorpe Infant School podcast. This is your captain speaking. We've been cleared for departure. Shadows way too long You always thought that you were weak But babe, you're wrong Yeah, you better step into the light Just give it a try Think that it's time you let that spark out You've been hiding in the shadows way too long listening to Launchpad, the Dogsthorpe Infant School podcast for parents, children, 
and teachers. Our first guest on Launchpad is Neil Emery, and he works for Trilby TV. We were education trainers for Apple for a long time. When the iPad came out, we were extremely busy working with schools up and down the country. And we would sit in a reception area waiting for someone like yourself to come and grab us for a training session. And we would look at this blank TV in the reception. Or if it wasn't blank, it was usually playing some content we felt was uninspiring. Um, And we were there with the iPad and Apple to do very creative processes because it was all about creating rich content. But there was no nice way to share that content so that, you know, the pupils could feel proud about what they were doing on the iPads. So we had a light bulb moment where we thought, well, hold on, that screen and reception would be a perfect place to share and showcase what the students are doing. Uh, and that's how Trilby TV was born. We, we gave up everything we were doing in the training space to be brave and uh, focus on Trilby TV. So it's a platform from the heart from us that allows schools to share and showcase Um, And it depends who you are. At primary level, it tends to be more about sharing and showcasing the students' work. So not just seeing it in an assembly once and never again. It's about sharing it on screens around the school so that, again, the students feel proud of the work they're doing day in, day out. Uh, It's about sharing best practice as well. If the teachers are doing great work with the students, then other teachers from other year groups can see that and get ideas for their own year groups. So primary is really about sharing and showcasing. When you move up to secondary and college, it's more about information. So it's more about important messaging. Still is about sharing and showcasing, but more about that messaging piece to make sure, you know, the community is strong, that everybody is aware of um, what's going on in school or college today type scenario. So again, Trilby TV is a, a software platform, really easy to use that allows our schools and colleges to upload content and pretty much instantly see that content on TV screens around their environments. So so what would schools need in order to use Trilby? Does it does it have does it mean a lot of equipment? So historically again it's called digital signage what we're talking about that that's the kind of technical term of this. So it's it's about when you're in the high street and you or in the train stations or in the shopping centers, you'll see these TV screens that are sharing really lovely content that's meant to have an effect on us. So might show some jeans from H and M, and we're supposed to go in and and buy the jeans because we've seen them on this on the screen. Obviously, um, historically signage has been in schools, so in the reception area or in the staff room. So a lot of schools have already got their TVs. Um, as long as they've got an HDMI input, which well, I won't get too technical, but lots of people will know what an HDMI input is, they can use any hardware. So if they've got a TV, hardware-wise, Trilby TV works across all platforms. So some of our schools will use Amazon Fire Sticks, some will use Apple TVs, some will use Android boxes or Microsoft boxes. So lots of our primary schools actually do use Amazon Fire Sticks, so very low cost. And they simply download the Trilby TV player app onto that Fire Stick. And then they use their uh, web browser to then upload content to their Trilby TV platform. That links to the player and the TV. And within a minute, any content they've uploaded will be playing on the TV in reception or the staff room or anywhere. So, yeah. Right. I mean, at, at Dogsorp Infant School, we've got five screens around school and we, we benefit greatly from it. And uh, we've we've got some new exciting slides now because you've you've just got linked up with the World Wildlife Fund, haven't you? 
I was very excited about that. Uh, I love the world of Twitter, Dave, because I'll see a Twitter post from someone and then I'll I'll CC it. Well, you know, I say CC in, but I'll add someone like WWF into a tweet and they'll come back to you and say, oh, that sounds interesting. Tell me more. Uh, and we've done that with Britannica. We've done that with WWF. So we, we have this area in Trilby TV called the content catalog. And it sits there for a couple of reasons. It's there to inspire our customers to do more because content is king. The screens are only going to look good if you're going to add good content. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's there to provide inspiration, but it's also there to help you keep your screens up to date and relevant. And we have mechanisms for some of the content like WWF. And there's the seven topics within that content. If you download it to your Trilby TV areas like polar regions, the oceans, uh, species at risk and WWF gave us some beautiful photography as you can imagine they would have. And every time it pops up onto your screen in between your content, so it doesn't come up and overtake your content. It just comes up gently in between your content and it might show a whale image talking about how important the oceans are and that we look after them. So it's about bringing that real world in so that the students are inspired to look after their world as they grow up themselves. So yeah, the WWF content we really love, but also other mechanisms in there like Britannica, there's a country of the week. So every week, if you download that, you'll get a new country, uh, capital city, population and five revolving facts. That, so a new fact pops up every time in between your content again. And even I look at it in my screen, my test screen at home, and I'll be like, oh, I didn't know that about Austria, or I didn't know that about, you know, uh, France. So it again, it's just about inspiring people with that little bit of extra content. Uh, so more than anything, we want to be the recognized platform for schools and colleges in the UK. Um, so that uh, we're an honest platform. So if you buy us, then you've got a really good chance of keeping those screens up to date and relevant. So first and foremost, we want to be seen as the number one in the UK, not because, you know, we financially, we want that to be seen on us. We just want people to have the right solution is what I'm trying to say there. Um, so that's really important to us first and foremost. Um, what else is important for the future? I mean, we we just, of course, we want to grow as a business. We want to have more partnerships with people like WWF and Britannica. Um, and we want schools to see the importance of sharing and showcasing. Mm. You know, again, often, you know, lots of schools now have got digital devices, you know, um, but often that work gets stuck on the device rather than showcased. And actually, we need to take it off the device and get it showcased and, and shared. So, again, that pupils and students feel proud about what they're doing day in day out in in their schools and their colleges uh have you got a website or something neil www.trilbytv so trilby like the hat trilbytv.co.uk you can sign up for a free trial so there's a big yellow button there for free trial there's a big yellow button there as well for book a demo um and that's me they'll get me uh and i'll take them through the ease of trilby tv and the importance of sharing and showcasing so again, it's not just about our platform, it's, it's actually making schools understand how important it is to use that historical technology they've got to again, have some impact around their school, whether that being on pupils, teachers, or the, the wider community. So yeah, they can easily get in touch and we're more than happy, uh, give them a demo or they can sign up for a trial. Please name 
name is Eddie Edster, he's a well-being dog, and he's here at Dog Soap School. He's such a little cutie, wagging his tail, and the kids all think he's cool. He makes them feel safe, great for mental health. He gives them confidence from his fairy self. Not talking about money, but he brings so much wealth. Is Eddie Edster the well-being dog? Well, his name is Eddie Edster. He's a well-being dog. He had his paws up for the summer break. He was burying a bone, lazing round the home. It's a dog's life and no mistake. But soon Eddie will be back at school Seeing all the children they think is cool There's no doubt about it, Eddie ain't no fool Is Eddie Edster the well-being dog? Our next guest on Launchpad is Mandy Wilding. Now you may not recognise the name But she deserves to be on this programme I attended Dogstorp Infant School from 1967 to 1970, so that's been wow. a long, long time ago. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. I, I guess it's a different school now to what it was like then. But what what was life like at the school then? Oh, it was it was absolutely lovely. I I haven't got very many memories, but I have got some things that are very, very clear to me. So the very first thing I can remember is um, going on to the playground and I was quite shy and timid and uh, I went on to the playground and I always held the teacher's hand and the teacher and, and some other children as well, we were a bit scared so the teacher used to get us to run to a certain point like a wall or something and then run back to try and get, get us a little bit more uh, confident on the playground because it was very boisterous and very very busy with lots of children. So I always remember being scared and and then gradually getting a bit more confident. So I didn't have to hold the teacher's hand at, uh, at play times. Yeah. I... Um, another thing yeah. was in the classroom. I remember what it was like in the classroom. Um, there was a class shop and all the all the fruit and vegetables were all made of papier mâché, and I absolutely loved going to the classic shop and buying fruit and vegetables with the play money. Ah, lovely. And um, I was a teacher later on, and as a teacher, um, I always had a classic shop in the classroom, and that probably stems back to that memory, actually, because it was such fun. Yeah, we, we've still, got, for your, so you know, we still have those sorts of things. We have post offices and shops and things like that, and... Um, so that's great to know that they were they were doing it right back then and yeah um, right back then yeah incredible um, so so it lays nicely in your memory then Dogthorpe Infant School oh yeah the head teacher I remember was called Miss Higgett right and um, she put a mirror up in the corridor outside her office and then she asked the children to uh, write a word down and stick it on the mirror to describe something, to, a describing word for the mirror. And I was a bit disappointed because all the words that I could think of were already stuck on. So um, I didn't get to put a word on the mirror, but she was looking for lots of descriptive words like reflection and shiny right. and all things like that. But 
I, I couldn't think of one that, that hadn't been stuck on. So I always remember that. I don't know why that I remember that. Well, do, you, do, you and, want know, um, do you want to know something really amazing about that mirror? What's that? There is still a mirror on the wall at Dogsthorpe Infant School. And, uh, no. Yes. Yes, there is. And, in fact, there's, there's quite a few. Um, but there's one particular full-length mirror um, with just one notice over the top of it saying, you are the most important person in this school. So that the children realise that the school is there not for us, but for them. And it's... How wonderful. That, is still that, that, that mirror is still there. That is lovely to hear. <laughs> yeah, so... Another, that, thing, another yeah. thing I can remember is... Um, they held a jumble sale for the for the children, though not not for parents. It was for the children. So the children had to take in any old toys that they finished with that were in good condition, and um, they were laid out in the hall on long tables. And then each um, class got a chance to go to the hall in their class group, uh, and we took some money to school, and we could um, buy whatever we liked with real money. Wow. And I'll always remember I bought a toy brush right. and I took it home and um, like my mum and dad said, what have you bought then? I said, I bought a brush. <laughs> it was about two pennies, I think it was. <laughs> so that's to do with shops as well, isn't it? I'm into wow. shops with Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, my dad took me to school because I lived on Eastern Avenue. Right. Um, my dad took me to school on the front of his bike. Uh, in the mornings, and I went home for dinners. In those days, you could choose whether you stayed for a school dinner or whether you went home. Right. And um, I used to go home for, for dinner, and then my dad took me back on the bike, and then my mum always picked me up um, in the afternoon with my sister in the in a black push chair, and um, I had to hold on to the push chair. I always, had, I always remember she was really strict about me holding on to the push chair. Um, so I didn't, you know, uh, get lost or go onto the road or anything. Wow. So uh, I remember that. And then we always had, I don't know whether you still do, but we always, each year there was a May Day parade. Yeah. And uh, in those days, May Day yeah. was yeah. celebrated um, a lot. Um, yeah, we, we, we had it up until a few years back and then we dropped it. Um, you know what it's like if it, you, you you mentioned that you're you're now a teacher or you have been a teacher. You would you would yeah. know that time pressures on schools now. It's all about you know classroom time and things. So there were some yeah. things that had to be dropped, um, and it was a shame really because uh, I know the children enjoyed dancing around the maypole, but uh, times move on and and some things. But but uh, it sounds like you you remember it with great fondness. Yes, I do remember it from this, uh, because, but you're right, we did have to spend a lot of time rehearsing that maypole, um, because it was really, really complicated, yeah. but the maypole was kept in the corner of the hall. Um, not all fond memories, though, because I was really jealous. My sister, when she started school um, in reception, was chosen as the May Queen, because she had red hair and beautiful ringlets, so I must have been in what is now known as year two and I was really jealous because um, she was the May Queen and they put clouds in her hair and she paraded around the school grounds oh dear and, um, <laughs> so there was a bit of uh, antagonism <laughs> there <laughs> bit of sibling rivalry going on <laughs> bit of sibling rivalry that's right and they're really the main uh, memories that right. I've got because obviously 
when you're very very yeah. young you don't you yeah. don't remember so much yeah yeah well I, i'm 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 now fast approaching my 70th year and um i can still remember my infant school um only little snap it, snap snippets That's of right. it but yeah, it's just little snappy. Yeah, it? yeah, little just little bit. something then pops into your head, and you remember the the things about Christmas and all that sort of stuff. And it just it's it's important because as as you shared that um, children when they first start school are very scared, and we've got at the moment we've got ninety new little stars. Um, it's their they next Monday they start full time. They've been part time up until now, and and yeah, they they they're scared, but hopefully. Um, by the time they get reassured by us and they get affirmed by us, by the time they get to year two, like you, they'll they'll get their confidence and yeah, it's yeah. it's so so. Thank you for coming on and sharing those memories because that's really precious uh, for our listeners. We're going to have several guests come on, um, and we're hoping to have um, one or two celebrities too because over its time at Dogsthorpe Infant School have, have had. Um, quite a few famous people as well who've either visited the school or uh, have actually attended the school as pupils and we're going to have those on as the podcast continue. Mandy, you mentioned that you went on to be a teacher. Yes. Uh, is that what you do now? No. Um, I changed, actually. I, um, in um, 2018, um, I stopped teaching. Um, I was previously a teacher in... Northampton and in Coventry. Um, 2018, I moved to Nathan. Now, a lot of people um, haven't heard of Nathan. Um, it's the National Association for Special Educational Needs. Oh, right. And, uh, yeah, I'm an education officer and responsible for early years. Right. So, could, could, um, because we've got quite a few parents who are listening, can you... Just explain what SEND is. Yeah, SEND is Special Educational Needs and Disabilities. Right. So it's children who have been identified who need that little bit extra support and help in the classroom right. uh, or in my in what I do um, in preschool settings. Right. So, um, yeah, I um, lead two big DfE-funded projects. DFE being the Department for Education, right. and um, I develop training and resources for early years teachers, and I absolutely love my job, yeah. because um, I'm in a position to really make a difference to, yeah. to children's lives and to um, the provision that is made for children and families, so I feel that I'm really making a difference to those children. Right. Um, but my job is very varied. I do absolutely all sorts, and that's another reason why I love it. Um, I work with local education authorities, local authorities across the country, right up from Northumberland, right down um, to Cornwall and across Norfolk, right across to Bristol. Um, different local authorities under different projects. So at the moment we're working with 15 local authorities. Um, and we train early years special needs coordinators from um, early years settings, so um, private, voluntary and independent settings, such as nurseries and preschools. Um, and we train them to identify and to meet the needs of children with special educational needs. Right. We, yeah, we also train early years um, 
uh, special needs coordinators and setting managers to carry out reviews in their settings to improve their provision for special educational needs. And all these projects uh, are funded by the Department for Education. Right. So we bid for funding, and then we, and then um, we, if we're lucky, we, we get the, the funding, and then we use that funding to um, fund the training. Uh, we write training and deliver the training um, for teachers and and um, nursery nursery staff. So, so it's a it's, so, a it's a national association. So, did do you cover the Peterborough area yourself, or have you got a colleague who does that? Absolutely, I cover the Peterborough area, Great. and we've had Peterborough was one of our local authorities in the last cohort of the early years Senko Award, and mm. we had a lovely um, lady called Andrea Gammon, and she cat she is the trainer for early years settings for Peterborough. Wow. So we train 24 um, special educational needs, um, early years special educational needs coordinators in Peterborough. So um, that that was really close to my heart. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't come out. I usually visit the um, trainers um, delivering the training. But unfortunately, last year, of course, we were um, stopped from doing that because yeah. of COVID. Yeah. So I joined the train. The training took place online via, um, you know, online um, platforms. The Dog Thorpe Infant School Podcast for parents, children, and teachers. In the studio today, we've got Al Kingsley, a dear friend to the school. Uh, he's the managing director of Net Support, which is uh, a company that uh, supports schools all around the world with its uh, educational software. It's good to have you with us, Al. Hello, hello. Good to be on the show. Um, you've been involved with Dogsthorpe Infant School for several years now. How did that come about? Well, I suppose the easy answer is by luck, um, but it was slightly more complicated than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as always, I mean, you, you introduced me. I've been involved in the education space for, a, for a, what feels like a very long time. Uh, and one of my roles um, has been wearing the hat of a governor working in schools. Uh, and my first role in the Peterborough area was a governor at Hampton College. Uh, and as is the case, you know, we all learn by sharing ideas. So one of the thing um, while I was chair of, of Hampton College was to join a governor leadership group. So that's some of the chairs from across the city who get together and chew the fat. And um, most of the time it's really positive. But, you know, it's always about sharing and learning ideas. And part of that group's sort of mandate, which makes it sound a bit over-technical, but really, you know, the spirit of the group is where schools are struggling, where they might need some additional governing resource or they've got a tricky situation, they would approach the governor leadership group and say, would any of you have some time to come and help? So that's the normal scenario. Now, on the Dogsthorpe journey, um, they've reached a point in the history of Dogsthorpe where the governing body needed a fresh change that mm -hmm. lots of people had put in a good shift in which time for them to, to move on. And so the local authority came and asked if some of us as governors would be willing to come and pick up and take a role and support the journey at Dogsthorpe Infants. And um, as you'd expect, some of us um, said, well, why not? Let's go and let's go and see what Dogsthorpe Infants all about. And I'm sure many of the listeners will know it doesn't take long to walk in the front door and just feel the, the atmosphere, the vibe and meet the mm. people mm. to recognise that that thing I always say about no two schools are the same is so absolutely true. Um, so I joined Dogstop. Um, I joined as vice chair of the governing body 
and my remit predominantly was to try and help with the financial aspects for Dogsthorpe. And every school goes through a journey where costs, often unexpected, kind of suddenly create difficulties. And, and the last thing you want to do is have that impact on, on our little learners. Um, so I joined on that basis. But very quickly, uh, the project of Come and Help became the uh, Come and Stay. And mm. the Come and Stay became a well, this is part of me now as well. I kind of feel like I'm a tiny point of, of within the school. Uh, and I was really excited just to follow the journey. And mm. um, everybody li- looking from outside will have seen the amazing journey the school's been on. Mm. And, and it was certainly a turning point. Your arrival was a turning point for the school. And it was uh, a blessing to, to have you join us. And, and it still is. Um, we've, we've had an incredible journey, particularly with EdTech, which we'll talk about later. Um, but you you mentioned school governorship. How mm. important is that, do you feel, to a school? Well, the truth is it's key. Now, some people will think, well, it's people from outside being a bit nosy and busybodies. And, and in one sense, we have to remember that operationally, the day-to-day running of the school is all about the leadership and the stewardship of the, of the head teacher. That's where the school is, the engine room is, and is driven. But we've got to remember over the years, and, and when I say over the years, I, I possibly mean the decades, in fact I do, uh, the role of school governance has very much changed. From being um, well-intentioned parents and community getting involved with the school and finding out what's going on and supporting events, to now very much the structure of schools, particularly in the era of academies, most of the legal obligation sits on the governors or the if they're part of an academy, the Board of Trustees, which in effect is the overarching group of governors responsible for all the schools within that, or mm-hmm. within that entity. So at the local governing body level, um, there's kind of two roles, and we often talk about it as, and refer to ourselves as the critical friend. So there's the challenge and there's the support. And obviously when the school's going through a period of, of change, and often change be- comes because there's been challenges and pressures, um, the first thing that you need to be able to offer is support. And support comes in many, many ways. Sometimes it can be, I can help with that problem. Sometimes it's about bringing experiences of, don't worry, we've encountered things similar in other schools. This is how we fix the problem. Sometimes it's actually about listening to the ideas and, and just simply validating them, saying, you know what, that's brilliant. What a great idea to, to, you know, to add this extra bit of value for our learners. Brilliant. Sometimes it's about supporting the recruitment of like-minded teachers that are going to join the school and, and help on its journey. Um, and sometimes it's going into battle and that sounds a bit extreme doesn't it but actually you know what when you're when you're trying to pick resources or get extra support Mm. for a school sometimes it does feel like a battle Mm. you're kind of there flying the flag for the school against not against but you know alongside the local authority and the bigger Mm -hmm. picture of we need extra funding and don't forget us and I think that's where as you become ingrained in a school and you become passionate about what you see Obviously, like we all do, things we care about, we become more protective of. So you, you look for different ways. So the role of governance is, is really quite broad-reaching. As parents, you'd expect our first conversations are always about what's happening in the classrooms. Are we delivering the right curriculum? Are our children getting a fantastic learning experience? How are the results? And if they're great, well done. And if they're not, how are we going to make them great? Um, and then around that, it's all the framework of is our school safe? Do we need to build some extra space? Um, the bit you alluded to, do we need to add some extra technology to future proofers? Um, the conversations go on and on. And if you've got a strong group of governors working in a really, you know, empowered and positive school, it's it's a really good journey where everybody's learning, you know, mm. governors absolutely mm. included. Mm. What, what sort of role can parents play in that? Because I, I'm guessing that the parents who are listening to this 
they may be considering whether they have the, the right skills to become a governor. Um, what, how do they go about that? Well, every school, ideally, should aim to have parental representation on the governing body. And I will put one little caveat out with that, which is if you become a parent governor, you have to think about the school, not just your child's experience. There's an, there's an element mm. of distance. Um, but every school has the ability, you can write to um, front office or the, even the head teacher or just stop somebody on the way through and you can put in a request to say, are there any vacancies on your governing body? And then you typically meet with the chair of the governing body and have, I don't want to call it an interview, a chat about you, life experiences and why you would like to get involved with the school. And then if it's appropriate, it would be put forward as a, an application and the governing body would review it on the basis of somebody else coming to join the team. A governing body has a fixed number that they're allowed to have. So sometimes there are vacancies, sometimes there mm. aren't. In terms of skills, I think it sometimes might be a little bit scary for, if you're not being involved in school governance. The concept of what's a governor sounds, sounds quite a serious term, doesn't mm. it, really? You know, I'd say the most important skill to be a governor is having the confidence to say why. Yeah. Because actually, most of the time, when you've got good leadership, you're asking the questions, why are you doing that? Why are we doing this? Or certainly, how are we going to get? And most of the time, you get the answer that actually reassures you because mm. good leaders will already have that plan in hand. And if they're proposing something, they'll already have thought through the reasons why. But every now and again, the why can become the, have we considered this? What about that option? Oh, I know another school that did X, Y, or Z. Uh, and so that breadth of experience starts to add value. And, and the breadth bit comes from typically a governing body every year will do a skills matrix and that skills matrix really says well what are we collectively familiar confident with able to add value with so sometimes governors come to the table with the experience of finance or you know mm. from a, a corporate world like myself where you've got mm. that experience in in terms of managing resources and contracts and anything legal that crops up across the desk others will come naturally from an education background um, but you could come from a sales background, a marketing background, or frankly, you could come from being a parent, you know, and that's just as complex and skilled a job, we all know. Mm. Um, and you bring with that a different set of questions to, to challenge and different ideas because you you know more than probably anybody, Dave, you know, the heart of Dogslop is about nurture. It's yeah. about actually yeah. letting our youngsters thrive and, and being an infant school, lots is about letting them sort of lead and shape their yeah. learning journey. So, um, you know, there are bits that are operational. Now, the landscape's changed a little bit for Dogsthorpe because as part of Dogsthorpe's journey, it's now part of Hampton Academy's yeah. Trust. Yeah. Now, personally, of course, I'm really proud of that, being chair of Hampton Academy's Trust, because for me, an amazing school has joined an amazing trust. Mm. And both parties have benefited from that with the experience shared in different, different directions. Um, so I think once that happens, the trust takes responsibility for some of the, the bigger challenges, the long-term yeah. financial planning and yeah. HR issues, which actually is great because what it means is the local governing body and the local leadership can focus on the important stuff, teaching and learning, you know, keeping our, our learners safe and how we engage with the community, mm. doing great things like this. Absolutely. You, 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 you mentioned uh, Hampton Academy Trust and, and it is wonderful to be a part of that and we're already reaping the benefits from it. Some of our listeners who are listening to this may not be aware of the schools in the trust. Mm. Um, what are, what, who are the other schools? What are the other schools? Who's involved? And can you tell us a little bit more about Hampton Academy Trust? I can. So Hampton Academy Trust started as one school, Hampton College, which is uh, was at that time a secondary school in, in the centre of, of Hampton. 
Um, and there was an opportunity with all the new houses being built that another secondary school was going to be built literally 100 yards away across onto the other side in Hampton Gardens across London Road. So we took the decision to become a multi-academy trust, which was pretty grand because we were one school. So we were a multi-academy trust of one. But that gave Hampton College the status to be able to bid for a free school bid. And for some people, the word free school kind of poses lots of different thoughts. In essence, it's because we need extra capacity, the government provides the funding to build a school. And then it becomes an academy like every other school. Mm. So we were successful in that bid. And so Hampton Gardens Secondary School was built on the other side of London Road um, and has grown to the point where actually this year it's now full. Because typically with a new school, you, you start with one year group, the cohort, and it builds year on year. Um, with all the pressures um, in Hampton, um, we also were struggling with um, places for our younger learners. So Hampton College decided to change to become an all-through school. So we also have Hampton College Primary. And so that, again, is our you know, um, EYFS, our early years foundation stage through to year six, as a cohort there. And of course, those children being part of an all-through flow yeah. straight into Hampton College. And that's really important because many of us will know that some of the biggest transitions, and, and there are a few, but some of the really, really significant ones are that transition from, from primary to big school. Mm. So having that natural way to sort of blur that link by our learners in year six, having experience of the teachers and staff and environment in year seven can be great. Of course, Hampton just keeps on growing and mm. it's a, fan, a fantastic place, a really diverse place. It's all about making sure our parents have got a, a school that is local to them. And I'm very passionate about that because mm. we all know schools are kind of at the heart of the community. That's where we meet our other parents and friends and peers and, and so on. Um, so as part of that journey, um, across the, say, the, next to Hampton Gardens is Hampton Lakes. They've all got a fairly familiar name. It's starting to, <laughs> people can probably guess where the next one will be. Um, and so we, again, a primary school was needed. So we did the same again. We went along to the government, put a bid in went to an interview, shared our passion and love for what we do for our kids. And they said, fortunately, you know what, we agree with you. Uh, that'd be a good idea. So Hampton Lake School was built. Mm -hmm. And Hampton Lake School um, built with its early years, reception year, and then year one. And then they came to us last year and said, you know what, we've got loads of people buying houses in the area that want to be in year three and four. And you haven't got that yet because you're building year on year. How do we fix this? And so we've ended up saying, okay, we'll open a year three and four combined class for those learners that have moved right. to the area. Uh, we were worried about numbers um, and whether it'd be viable because a small school, you don't have profit to be sitting on. You know, you, you're always working hand to mouth in, in the early stages of building a school. Um, but luckily, um, we, we made 26 places available and we have 25 learners right now and it's been open five weeks, four weeks. Wow. So that's been another six. And alongside that, which again is... Our lifelong learners, you know, get them young. We've also opened our nursery provision at Hampton Lakes as well. Right. So we've now got our little learners on their journey to start as they go through. And that's important because alongside that, we tie in with the with the early capacity for parents who've got to get off to work. So we've got the kind of breakfast clubs and other activities mm -hmm. around that. So, so as a trust, we are, um, all of our schools start with the word Hampton, apart from one, Dogsthorpe. And many may say, well, if you're a Hampton trust, why Dogsthorpe? And I think if you're a parent or a friend of the dog thought community, you'd probably figure out exactly why. Mm. You don't put away the option of an amazing school joining your trust. Uh, and when it just so happens that that amazing school is also with people who are like-minded, and trust me, it doesn't happen in every school, 
and I would be the first in line to be called a fool if we hadn't taken that opportunity to join up together and, and grow the family. Mm. Um, so Dogthorpe is quite special. It's the first non-Hampton school in Hampton Trust, and we're absolutely blessed that it is. Mm. Listeners, if you've been to Serpentine Green, I'm sure you would be aware of, of the schools that Al's been talking about. Um, so the next time you're, you're heading towards Yaxley or you're at uh, Tesco's, look across the fields and you'll see uh, Hampton Academy Trust School, I'm sure. That's one of one of the biggest strengths of, of the trust, isn't it? To, to be local and to be a city academy trust. Yes, I mean, for many years that the government felt, and there's actually a little bit of a heading back in that direction, I might say slightly sadly, but the government initially wanted to have big trusts. Big trusts were more financially viable and were safe. But if you imagine having schools in part of the same trust in different cities... Uh, you don't actually get the benefits of sharing staff and resource. You can't say, Mr Smith, would you mind after your lesson two today popping across to the other school if it's an hour and a half way down the motorway and, and helping there and sharing best practice and, and vice versa. And actually you don't get the real way to share the kind of the values and actually the support because sometimes support's just being accessible, being about. So our strategy very much from the beginning was we're local. We don't have aspirations to have 300 schools in our trust um, in fact, you know, we're pretty good where we are. Opportunities will come along and, and for the right reasons you assess each time, does it make us stronger? You know, and it's got to, it's got to be a right for mm. both parties. Um, but very much the local focus means that everybody can meet face-to-face. We can provide that support across the different schools. It means all the great things that happen in each school, and we can use Dogsworth Infants as an example. It means the staff here can actually meet with other staff and share that best practice and vice versa. And I think that's really, really important. I also think, coming back to my point, you know, a school is at the heart of a community. Yeah. Well, if a school is, why shouldn't a trust be? Yeah. The trust is ultimately responsible for these things. So if the trust isn't community focused, it's kind of missing the opportunity. Uh, and maybe I'm a bit competitive, to be honest. I, I like to be different. I, I mm. see too many corporate trusts. I like mm. a trust that is about the local mm. area, the local focus. Uh, and I think it's it stood us well. And luckily, whenever we've gone to bid for a, a new school as part of that growth, um, the people sitting on the other side of the table have agreed with us when they've seen what we've done mm. and, and why we do it. And we're by no means perfect. We're on a learning journey. Mm. And one of the challenges being a fairly small focus trust you don't have the resources and reserves of some of the larger trusts. So there's a compromise that you take between the speed of growth um, and aspirations and actually those, dare I say it, those unmeasured values. Because Mm. Ofsted don't always pick up on the things that I hold dearest about what's good about a school. Uh, And I think if there was a a measure, goodness knows how you would do it, about sort of the happiness scale of how fondly a child remembers their, their school years, the experiences they had, that for me would be a much more critical measure. Of course, we want them to get amazing outcomes and qualifications that empower them to do whatever they want to do in the future. Um, but I think back to my my school years, mm. and my memories are always about trips or events or productions and, and performances. And there are a few that are specifically classroom focused. Now, the classroom ones stood me in good stead, but you can't do that at the expense of all the fun stuff that you mm. really hold dear. No. We've sadly run out of time this time, but hopefully you'll come back and join us again, Al. When you go back to Hampton, will you take all of our best wishes, please, from not only the people in Dogsorpe Infant School, but the community of Dogsorpe. Tell all of uh, your schools over in Hampton that we feel part of a wonderful, wonderful trust. 
It's lovely to hear and it's been a pleasure chatting with you, Dave. This podcast is brought to you by Eddie Edster, the Dogsthorpe Infant School Wellbeing Dog, bringing hugs, paw shakes and high fives. This Cavalier King Charles Spaniel helps stars to dream, believe, shine. Commence system shutdown.